everybody. Uh, my name is David McLeod. I have a chance to share with you a little bit today on this beautiful, beautiful uh, Miami morning. So congratulations to the Orbis family. Uh, that little girl is gorgeous. Can, that is such a cool thing. And uh, we are so glad you guys are here today. So all of you. Um, so we get started today. It is Thanksgiving. This is our Thanksgiving service. And I have to tell you, I feel um, very blessed today um, because I am uniquely gifted to be able to give you a Thanksgiving sermon, all right? And let me tell you why. Not only is Thanksgiving my favorite, favorite uh, holiday, as you can tell, I enjoy uh, some good food. Uh, my mom makes the absolute best stuffing any human being has ever had, all right? It's, it's, it's incredible. But I also am a Thanksgiving baby, all right? So my mother knew it was time to go to the hospital when she sat down for Thanksgiving meal, which I have heard that story for 47 years. So um, I feel very blessed to give a Thanksgiving sermon. Uh, it's, a, it's special. Um, I, I love the idea of giving thanks. Um, I struggle with it too. I think all of us do to some degree. But uh, when you're thankful, it's almost like you're more happy. All right? When you're grateful for something and you're not focused on the negative, but you're focused on what you do have, I think sometimes, like, life is just brighter, all right? Things are just better. So I really get today to talk about what I feel is something really positive, all right? And when I read the passage, you're going to think, what? All right? We're going to be talking about leprosy today, all right? So uh, let's open up. We're going to look. Luke chapter 17. Um, let's see a really, really amazing story that really shows the heart of Jesus, but I think it opens us up to, like, really understanding what this week could be, all right? And maybe you have a little bit of a change of, uh, of heart, a little bit of change of focus. So this is God's Word, uh, Luke 17. Um, this is what uh, started dying off in verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're grateful for you as we look at this idea of thanks. Uh, Father, help us to be thankful people. Lord, give us eyes to see and your spirit open up our hearts to the beauty of what you've done in our lives. Father, we ask this time would be words that you would want that be honoring and glorifying to you. And we ask all of these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Uh, giving thanks is something that all of us agree is important, all right? I saw a, a study a while ago that said that 87% of people believe that we do not say thank you 
enough, all right? Maybe, maybe you've given something to someone and, and they never even paid attention and you never knew what, what happened, okay? All right, you're like, well, you know, somebody should have said thank you, all right? We know that giving thanks is important. We know that gratitude is very key, something important. In fact, in Scripture, almost 160 times giving thanks is mentioned. First Thessalonians, we, we, we sang a little bit of that song today. First Thessalonians says this, give thanks in all things. Like basically, give thanks in all different times. But giving thanks is complicated. I think a lot of times we do that thing where we look at the glass half empty, all right? Sometimes my glass is looking a little bit dry, and we start to focus on those things that we don't have, and we really forget we really don't, aren't cognizant of the things that we do have. And so because I was getting ready for this, I was watching football yesterday, okay? So I was watching the Clemson-UM game. You're from South Carolina. I just had to throw that in there. But whatever the case, watching the Clemson-University of Miami game yesterday, all right? And, um, and uh, I see some of you shaking your heads at me, all right? I'm watching that game, and I started to watch the advertisements. And those advertisements are so interesting because advertising is essentially geared to make you feel somewhat dissatisfied with what you have, all right? I have a 2008 Honda Pilot. Every single car commercial was much nicer than what I own, all right? Even my auto insurance, I feel like I should upgrade after that day. Every fast food commercial, I wanted it. All right? And it's over and over again, our culture pushes us, I think, to some element of dissatisfaction. Because if you're dissatisfied, then what are you going to do? You're more likely to buy something. Okay? And I think that's one very small way of looking at it. But every single person in this room, we have dealt with disappointment. We have dealt with discouragement. We have dealt with loss of something or someone or a dream that we had died or the life we expected didn't work out the way that it should. And we look at those things and in a way we start to identify with those things and we start to miss out. And I want us to open up and I want us to consider something different today. I want us to look at this passage. I want us to think about thankfulness, about having a heart of gratitude of looking at this story that's given to us from a man we don't even know his name, but his life is literally changed, and he does something. He does something. But there's nine others that totally forget, that go on their way, live the rest of their lives, but miss out on one of the most amazing opportunities that you could ever be afforded to be healed by Jesus. We got to talk about what leprosy is for just a second. Leprosy is a horrible disease, all right? It's called Hansen's disease today, but, but back then it was called leprosy. Now, I know I'm talking a lot about how many times things are mentioned in Scripture today. Leprosy is mentioned almost 60 times in Scripture, okay? Now, why is that disease, of all diseases, mentioned so frequently? It was clearly prevalent at the time, and people were afraid of it. I mean, it disfigured you, and it absolutely was a death sentence. But it was also highly communicable, which meant this, that people, as soon as they knew you had it, you were ostracized, you were pushed out, you were quarantined like no quarantine before. And that's exactly what we see coming out of this passage. There's these 10 guys, and most likely they lived in a small community. 
all right? Because if you had leprosy, the only people that would be around you also would have had leprosy. And there they are, and scripture comes out very clearly to show you how that community worked. It says that they were standing far off. That's when they yelled to Jesus. See, they weren't going to stand close because nobody wanted them close. They were absolutely marginalized from the community and had to create their own. People were afraid of them, but you think of this. Physically, leprosy was a death sentence. You didn't survive it. You didn't get out of it. It was a slow, painstaking process to get to death. But also, you were relationally ostracized. It was a death sentence from away from your family, out of a community, your friends, everything. It put you completely out. And scripture mentions it many times. Go all the way back to the early books of the Bible. And you'll see there in Leviticus, it's mentioned what you were supposed to do if you had leprosy. It starts even then. But leprosy takes on even more of a, of a story when you realize its spiritual significance and use. See, scripture uses leprosy for us to see something else. Because it was a death sentence, because it pushed you out, because relationally you are now pushed out to the far reaches of society, it became very much a picture of what sin does to us. That it's a disease that leads to death and brokenness and separation. All of these things became a very visual picture of what spiritually happens to us in our distance from God because of our sin. Leprosy was something they were so afraid of at that time. And it's used so significantly to show us the heart condition that we have apart from Christ. So you get to this story and you see the sadness that these 10 guys must have gone through. You imagine the families that were broken. You imagine the fear that they would have had. You imagine the, the, because it was such a visual disease that every day they would have seen what their hands looked like or their feet or see how the disease is progressing and how their, their, their bodies were changing. And you can feel the depression. You can feel the sadness. You can feel the weight that they must have been under as people. And here they are. And there comes Jesus. It's a beautiful, gracious picture. Here he's coming. And if, if you look at the Gospels, you know what Jesus was doing. Jesus would walk with his 12 disciples and they would go village to village to village. And I mean, it wouldn't have been amazing to have watched that play out. Well, the disciples got to see it. So they walk into this village and there's the guy shouting at him. And what does he do? He answers them. And he tells them to go to the priest, which is a reference back to the Old Testament, that they were going to be clean. So they must have started to leave. And all of a sudden, what was rotting flesh, what was, what was so ill, starts to change. Right? You can imagine for a second the look on their faces when, when that flesh that had the problem, the flesh that had that bacteria, all of a sudden turned rosy red. All right? And I almost look at the nine that leave and I say, I understand why they would have left. I mean, imagine for a second, they get to go back and be with their families. They get to go back and sleep in their own bed that night. They get to go back and say, look, I'm good. I'm good. It's all here. I'm fixed. And they run. They take off. But there's that one, and I kind of imagine, 
he starts to leave elated at what's happened. But then he remembers, wait, wait, it was Jesus that did this. It was Jesus that did this. And he goes back and he's thankful. He goes back and he's thankful. There's something I don't want us to miss out of this passage today. And I always like to take small sections of scripture so we can look at all the different parts. There's something there that you realize about Jesus in that moment. When that guy comes back and thanks him, Jesus does a couple of things that really interested me. Number one, I kind of feel like he's disappointed. Can you hear disappointment when you read scripture? He's like, well, where, wasn't there 10 that I, that I, that I, that I, that I healed? Wasn't there 10? And here's this one that comes back, and he's a Samaritan. You see where Jesus is walking at this time. He's in between Samaria, and he's in between Galilee. And there was a group of people that were really kind of like outcasts, right? It was like, kind of like everybody was racist to them, all right? And this is the guy that comes back. Of all of the people that would have known that the Messiah would come, he really probably wasn't going to be one of them right? But he's the one that comes back and thanks God for what is done in his life, right? He shows the heart of thankfulness. And you know what? Let me tell you something. The beauty of this is it shows that God's love would go to the whole world, not just certain groups of people. It didn't matter how well you were or how rich you were or did you come from the right places. What it said is it is for each and every single one of us and this Samaritan, this person who is an outcast, is the one that gets this incredible blessing from Jesus. I want us to look for a second at this guy, and I wish we knew his name. He just usually gets called the, the thankful leper. I mean, that's like a really almost pejorative thing, right? But here he comes back, and I think what a treasure that moment is. I want us to look at what the elements of thanksgiving are. All right, what, is, what does it mean to be grateful? What does it mean to have that sense of gratitude that drives you to go back, that takes the focus off of yourself and you see what has been given to you? And I want to encourage you with this today. When you start to see what God has given to you, how much he has loved you, when he gives you his absolute love and affection, I think it changes who we are as people. Because it is so human for us to focus on all the things that are going wrong, all the things that we don't like. It's really part of us. It's almost counterintuitive to say thank you. It's almost counterintuitive to the flesh to be grateful when it seems like we cloud most of our lives with all the things we don't have. Now, I'm going to do a confession. That is very much me. I find myself, especially, I think God gives me some of these sermons or passages to consider because he knows I desperately need a lot of work, right? I'm a person who wakes up and I think of bad stuff right away. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I didn't do that yesterday. Whoops, that wasn't good, all right? And I get wrapped up and it's almost like before the coffee starts in my little Nespresso machine, I'm already upset, all right? All right? And maybe you're like that too, but I want us to I want to encourage us. I want us to think about what is going on in this passage, what God has done for us as people. So Jesus goes and he heals this guy and the guy goes back. And I want you to see three Ds today of what he does, what his response 
of thankfulness is. The first is this. It's an absolute demonstration of what's going on in his heart. It's a demonstration. Look at, these pas- look at the passage back with me for just a second. It says, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. All right? Here's the demonstration. What does he go back and do? He goes back and worships him because he sees that Jesus is the one who could actually do the healing that everybody wanted at that time. It's a demonstration where he sees and he's in a place of worship and gratefulness for what God has done. I want to open this up to you a little bit more. See, leprosy was an example. Leprosy was a terrible disease, but it also was a type of something else. It was a reminder that what was going on spiritually. And if you just relegate this particular miracle and say, well, look at this. This is, this is a guy getting healed. I think you miss it. Because really, it's showing what Jesus does spiritually as well. Because leprosy became this picture of what sin did to people. How it brought death. How it brought a, a lack of sensitivity. How all it did was bring about destruction. And here Jesus is healing this guy. All right? And you imagine those 10 guys for the rest of their lives, they're like, I'm the guy who had leprosy. All right? I don't have it anymore. All right? And the whole time they were living, they were elated at what had happened. But don't you see what Jesus is doing here? He's showing us that this is what he does to us spiritually. The leprosy of our hearts the leprosy and sickness of what it means to be broken and away from God, only Jesus could fix it. See, the whole way he goes to the cross is to pay for our debts. And the cross is this. The cross is the healing of the disease that we have as people that only he could do, right? I think when that guy goes back, he's so excited. And the demonstration of that is when he falls down He's saying, you're the only one that could have done this. There's no other way. And let me tell you something. Lepers didn't struggle with whether they could fix themselves or not. They knew it was over. They knew what they were going to die from at that time. There was no trying to, to, to get a little bit better or to take that or this. There was no way of getting better. And spiritually, sometimes I think we think we can make ourselves better. We can fix the problem that is in our hearts. We, 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 if we just do enough good, it'll outweigh the bad and we'll be accepted. And really, this passage is reminding us that it's not something we can do. That just like this guy falls at the feet of Jesus and he says, you're, basically, you're the only one that could have ever done this. That's what we look at Christ as spiritually. The only one who ever could have done this. But his demonstration, I think, is very public. The second thing I want us to see is that his declaration, all right? His declaration. Funny here, there's, there's a really neat word in Greek, and I'm really terrible at Greek, to be honest with you. I just click on stuff on the computer, and that's how I find it, all right? Okay, so I'm not trying to sound smart. But in Greek, when it says he yelled in a loud voice, literally the loud voice are the two words that come together for the word megaphone. All right? So he literally turned his voice box into a megaphone, and he is so excited. All right? He's praising God. 
He's thankful for the healing that has gone on. And I will tell you this, not only is thankfulness a demonstration, but it's also a declaration of what has been done. Because he knew that he was healed, he knew that he was changed, and he knew who did it. I love these verses because he seems so exciting, all right? He just seems so, so excited. And when you have life, when you have new life, when you're energized by what you realize has been done on your behalf, I think it propels you very differently. This last week I was reading a, a study about gratitude, like giving thanks. And there was a study that was done at University of Miami, another one that was done at Harvard. And what they found was psychologists went and they would have people start keeping a gratitude log or a journal of things that they were thankful for. And what they found was the earlier that you started being grateful in a day, the better people reported that their day had been. And the people that lived around them, all right, generally responded in a positive way because they were around somebody who was being very grateful, that were being thankful. It was infectious. I think this guy captures that, all right? It must have been infectious. He probably was one of the greatest people to tell people about Jesus going forward. Probably until the day this guy died, he was telling people, you're never going to believe what I had. Let me tell you the story. And people were like, you've told that story 20 times, right? Okay, I feel like he was one of those kind of people. He was excited about what had happened. And I will tell you this, when we as people come into contact even more, and when we make an absolute effort and we, we are cognitive about what Christ did for us on the cross, we are people who become, in a beautiful way, declarers of that same grace. Lot, many times I think it's so much better when we live that way rather than talk that way, but it is an opportunity to show what God has done for us. And when you think about what Christ did on the cross, the healing of our spiritual leprosy that he did, as believers, I think it should energize us. There's no promise in this passage that everything is going to be fine. Everybody's going to go through challenges. All of us have disappointment. There's discouragement in life. But there is something much bigger that says this, that God is working, that God is doing something. And I think sometimes Thanksgiving becomes sort of almost self-indulgent. It becomes about eating. It becomes about all these other things. And we sort of miss out on the fact that God has done something. And I want to encourage everybody here today to consider what God has done in your life, all right? The things that God has done and given to you, the resources and opportunity. And you see this, that the cross is this beautiful picture of God's grace, but it's not a singular event. We live out of God's grace. He is graceful to us when we never deserved it. He's graceful to us because he cares about us as people. And you know what? I think the demonstration of gratitude is where we are that same grace in other people's lives. We're that same grace in the, the neighborhood God put us in or the place of work that God has put us. We are a conduit of that grace to others. Because to me, the beautiful demonstration of God's love is when we share that same love with other people. So this guy hits the floor, he's worshiping, he's loud. The last D is this, it's dividend, okay? I really wish reward would have started with a D because that would have been a little bit easier for this outline. But I want you to see this. 
Look what happens at the end. Let's see what Jesus says. He says, were not all ten cleansed? Were there other, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I want you to see something that happens here. All of them get healed physically. But something happens to this guy that's different. There's a reward. There's something else where he says, your faith has made you whole, has made you well. All right? He gets literally a reward, and you see that there's something that Jesus values. There's something that he values where he values the thank you. He values the gratitude. He values the relationship and the connection. This guy did something amazing. Realize this, that a heart of thankfulness is a heart that is blessed. A heart of gratitude is one that God values and appreciates. I see this story start to come up and I think, don't forget what God has done in your life. And I ran across a, a really amazing story this last week that I'd never heard about. And it was about this priest and they called him Priest Damien. Right? Late 1800s, there's an outbreak of leprosy, Hansen's disease, in Hawaii. And there was this priest who was from Belgium, and he heard about this. And what he decided to do was he started to go out to Hawaii because he heard what was going on with people that came down with this disease. Because they would get the disease, they would be quarantined to a small island. And what, they would, be, what would be done with them is they would be taken out in a boat and then they were, were essentially let off and they would have to swim all the way to the island and they were allowed to take with them whatever they could have that would float, all right? And when they would get to that island, that's where they lived. That's where they would live out the rest of their days. And this priest hears the story about that island and he says, I am going. Now, he didn't have the disease, but he knew that there was a need and there was people that were in need and he decided to go. So he moves to the island, and, and there he is, like, uh, serving and, and taking care of people and making friends and all of these things. And all of a sudden, the island that was an absolute pariah becomes, like, kind of a cool place. They're farming, and they're building, and there's this whole community of people that all were uh, sick, but they were together. And people started to look at it very differently. And 12 years after the priest got there, he contracted Hansen's disease. And he lived out the rest of his days there on that island, caring for people and then being cared for. Well, Hawaii was given an opportunity to put two statues in Washington, D.C. that would exemplify the state. And you know who they choose, chose? Priest Damien. Because you know what they said? They never wanted to forget the love, the grace, the service that he had done. And they thanked him for what he had done. And if you go to Washington, D.C. today, you're going to see a beautiful statue of this man. But you know what they did with the statue? They gave him the leprosy in the statue. And then there's a statue in Belgium that's a statue of him. And then there's a statue in the National Park. I mean, all of a sudden there's these statues that went because people said we never want to forget the heart of that one who cared about other people. We always want to be thankful and grateful because look what he had done. And I want to encourage you with this today. Never forget what your heavenly father has done for you. Don't build a statue. It's in your heart. 
all right? Know this, that God loves you and cares about you. And that is something to be thankful for, to be thankful about. And to look at the things that God has given you and be grateful because he is good to us. C.S. Lewis one time said, when things are good, be grateful. When things are bad, be grateful. Because it reminds you to be patient, it reminds you to be kind, it reminds you that you were not meant for this world. See, think for a second. Each one of us today, never forget what God has done. And maybe it's gloomy, maybe things are dark, maybe you're discouraged, maybe you're down. Know this, that God cares about you. That that story is not finished being written, but it is this. The end for us as believers is to be in a place with him. And someday we'll be there in heaven with this leper guy. And we'll know his name. We won't have to call him leper anymore. All right? I'm just assuming that. All right? But I see the beauty of this coming out is never forget how much your heavenly father loves and cares for you. So at this Thanksgiving, may it be an eye-opening time. Maybe instead of spending so much time focused on ourselves, may God give us a heart for others and of gratefulness and gratitude for what he's done. Let's pray. Father, you love us and you care for us. Lord, thank you for your mercy and grace. Father, you know each one of us so well. You know the times that our hearts hurt. Father, you know the anxiety and stress that we go through as people. Father, you know the last couple of years, many lives have changed so significantly. And Father, we just lift up to you, grateful for who you are. Father, you know each one of us. You tell us that we can cast our cares and burdens upon you because you care for us. Father, you grieve when we grieve. And Father, today, we're recipients of the goodness of your grace. Father, encourage each one of us to see what it means to be free. And Father, that spiritual leprosy was done on the cross and the beauty of the resurrection was defeated. Father, we're grateful for what you've done. Give us hearts of thanksgiving on a week that we think about thanksgiving more than ever. Um, and we ask, Father, that you'd walk with us. Father, those that are hurting in the room today, you carry them. Father, those of us that celebrate today, you carry us. We're grateful for you. And we ask as we just lift up our voices right now together, that you'd encourage each one of us. And we ask this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.